another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel Quedno. There's a common misconception about the Strong Towns organization, uh, which is that we only speak about smaller communities. Uh, funnily enough, we also get accused just about as often of only addressing issues for big cities. You can't place them all, I guess. The truth is that we work hard to write and share stories and speak in a way that people from any size of town or city can learn from and relate to. And today's guest is a perfect example of that. Rebecca Undum lives in the small community of Oaks, North Dakota, and does a lot of work helping her town grow stronger and helping her fellow rural residents become community leaders. But I know that her advice and insights will speak to you no matter if you live in a town of 2,000 or 2 million. In this conversation, Rebecca talks about the choice to stay in or return to your hometown, the connections, family, and traditions you get to experience when you make that sort of life for yourself, and how that doesn't mean losing out on career opportunities either. In particular, Rebecca has been helping her region think through the ways that the rise of remote work can allow people to commit to their towns for the long haul. She believes that remote employment and Main Street can actually grow together and benefit one another. And she's led some creative initiatives to help people see those opportunities through her organization, Growing Small Towns. Rebecca also hosts a podcast under the same name, and I'll let her tell the rest. Rebecca Undum, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. We are glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Can you start by telling us a little about yourself and how you ended up doing the work that you do today? Oh, um, I don't know if we have enough time for the whole background, <laughs> the whole story. Um, so I am actually from Oaks, North Dakota, where I'm at now, um, was born and raised here. I'm the fifth generation of my family to farm our family's land. So it's been a while since I graduated from high school. And uh, when I graduated, I didn't ever really anticipate that I would be in Oaks, that I would come back to Oaks. I think it's a cool part of every small town story that now those people maybe are coming back, you know, the ones that never thought they would. Um, and it's because of the opportunities that exist for us now that weren't even a reality at the time when I graduated. So we came back, my husband and I moved back to Oaks in 2008. Um, we, as I said, now are the fifth generation of my family's farm. My dad and my husband farm together. Um, and to be honest, you know, we had a way forward or an idea forward for him, but not so much me. I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do. It just felt like the right move for our family. We um, were expecting our first child in 2008 when we moved back. So, um, you know, fast forward to a few bumps and detours and turns and twists. Um, after we had our third child and she was, you know, a little older, I started really getting involved in the community. Um, I was on our chamber board. I was on our community foundation board and I was on our economic development board. And it was those uh, those experiences that led me to to, find, you know, actually creating growing small towns as an organization and really thinking about community development in a different way. And mostly just asking that question of what do I want this community to be in the future? And what is my responsibility or what gifts or uh, talents or skills can I contribute to do something about that? So that's, uh, that's as short as I can make it, Rachel. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, can you tell us a little bit more too about your town? Um, is it pretty rural, remote? Does it have a main street? Like what, what does it look like? What's the experience of living there? Yeah, Oaks, North Dakota is what I love to call um, a big, small town and not necessarily in size, but in spirit. So we are a town of about 1,800 people. Um, actually, in the last 10 years census, our numbers haven't changed a whole lot. We lost a tiny bit of population, but we've been at about that 1,800 population for about a decade. Um, we are 70 miles north of Aberdeen, South Dakota, and that would be the closest community with a target, which is often how I determine remoteness, right? Like we're we're 70 miles from target. Um, we're 110 miles from Fargo, which is the biggest city in North Dakota. So we're located in the southeast corner of the state. Our economy is driven by agriculture, obviously so- somewhat anyway. We're right in the heart of more, mostly corn and soybean country. Um, But in terms of what our community has, we have a beautiful Main Street. Our Main Street is almost entirely renovated within the last couple of years. And we have a really cool mix of um, both retail and service businesses. And I think being a little bit more geographically isolated allows for some of those experiences or opportunities. Our little town is a great place to live. It really is. It's a great place to live. It's a great place to raise a family. And it's I think now more and more we're seeing all of the opportunities that exist because we have really strong internet. I need to give a shout out to our our internet providers. We have fiber um, internet laid all throughout our region, and that makes an enormous difference for the kinds of things we're able to do. So what are some of the challenges and opportunities that you're seeing around you, and how have you been trying to step up and help your community um, get through those? So... Um, like the rest of the country, right now, at the time that we're recording this, workforce is an incredible challenge. Um, so when I first launched Growing Small Towns, we launched with the, an event on July 29th. Um, and what we did was we actually chartered a bus out of Fargo. And um, Microsoft was the partnering organization that made it possible. And we we together with the person at Microsoft in Fargo, we put our heads together and came up with a list of people that would have some benefit of partnering with our region. So the seven counties that we serve through growing small towns, we're headquartered here in Elks, but we serve seven counties around us. And we're adjacent to Cass County, which is where Fargo is. And I just had this really strong, I'm going to tell you honestly, Rachel, like I, I need data-driven people in my life because I'm an anecdotal person, generally speaking. You know, I look around and I get, I I don't know if you want to call them gut instincts or if it's, you know, ideas or intuition, if you will, about what I think might be an answer. Um, So a lot of this was just on bets that I, you know, things I was willing to bet on if, you know, and I created an organization to do so, right? So one of the things I felt strongly about was there's there's always going to be a reason for people from my community and my region to drive to Fargo. It's the biggest city in North Dakota, you know, the restaurants and the nightlife and the culture and the shopping, right? It's all there. But I started to question what opportunities might exist here or resources might we have in our region that would benefit Fargo-Moorhead employers. And so we chartered a bus and we put, there was about 38 people that 
came on our bus tour and we brought them down through our region. We highlighted a few really cool people doing really amazing things. And then we ended at my new facility, which is um, a co-working and business and training and events facility in Oaks and it on Main Street. Yeah. So we just re- we had just renovated it. It was the very first thing that we hosted there. And there were about 100 people total at this event. And we had this beautiful conversation about rural and urban collaboration. You know, what kinds of opportunities are we missing because we're not partnering? So remote employment was really one of the big things that we talked about. And, you know, in a time when all of your Main Street and, you know, your local businesses are really hurting for people, it can, as an economic development person, feel a little bit scary to say, hey, we're also now going to partner with these Fargo businesses and make those remote opportunities available too, right? It's, it feels threatening, maybe, for for local uh, business owners. But I am trying to make the case that more opportunity uh, and, and done well and with intention with these companies in Fargo, it's good for us, right? Because we often talk about how do we get people to move here? We don't have a lot of a lot of opportunity for professional level jobs. Usually there's one, but what if that person's married, right? How do we handle and support that trailing spouse? Well, I, I truly am of the opinion that the more employment opportunities we have, the better chances we we are going to have of possibly recruiting a, a two-person household into our community. So that's one of the things that we're trying to do. Um, And there have been so many amazing conversations that came out of that bus tour. I'm telling you, like if any small town person is listening and you haven't done something like that, man, reach out to me. I would love to share with you what we learned um, and and what has come from it since. Um, Because let's be real, there's a lot of organizations that would love to have more of a impact in, in a rural place, but they have no mechanism or way into those communities. And that's how we're, we're trying to position ourselves for the region is to be that catalyst to help expand programs and services our way as well. Very cool. Talk a little more about um, the work of growing small towns, you know, since that bus tour, like what has come to fruition since then? And how are you helping, you know, employers and workers in the region? Yeah, so big picture, Growing Small Towns has three primary areas of focus. Um, We have a whole set of values that really drive and dictate everything that we do. And one of those values is growing our own. So the mindset that the growth of a small town doesn't just have to be in additional people, but it can be an an expansive way of thinking, right? I mean, it, it could simply be all of us cracking our minds open just enough that something new could get in and take hold, right? We're a traditional place um, filled with a lot of, I don't want to call it stubbornness necessarily, but we're, we're Midwestern too. So there's some cultural things at play, you know, on the whole change can be kind of hard for, for small towns sometimes. And so that's one of the things we focus on. And that's actually the program area of just personal development. You know, how can we help people individually enhance or increase their own capacity. And if we help one person learn something that they then apply, that's the thing with small towns, right? The same stone can get thrown in a much smaller pond and the ripples are faster and they spread wider. So if you get one person in a small town in increasing or developing themselves, every single organization they're involved in, their churches, you know, their P, the PTA, whatever they're involved in with gets better, 
right? So that's one program focus. Then the other, of course, is on business development, you know, starting businesses and helping those business owners expand. And then the third is really a clear focus on art and culture. Um, I, I, again, anecdotally, but I think there's a lot of studies actually to prove that there's a huge tie between creativity and people's ability to self-express and learning that as a skill and how that ties to innovation and critical thinking in business. And, and I just would say, you know, furthermore, for a small town or for any place, that's one of the things that makes a community feel like home to people. And we often connect through art in some way, shape, or form, right? So maybe it's performing arts or it's actual visual arts. Um, so those are the three ways, the three things that we're specifically focusing on at Growing Small Towns. And then your follow-up question was about what things have landed or are kind of being discussed now since the, the road trip. There's two kind of regional things that we're, that we're looking at as a result of this. And one is a regional job board. Um, the idea that how do people that are looking at our communities know what jobs are available? Now, we have a job service statewide, but it's not regional specific, right? It's not locale specific. And then we'll also be looping in those remote employment companies that we had on the bus. We're going to identify five of them that we'll be partnering with because how does the average person in a small town know about a remote employment opportunity in Fargo? They don't know the company. So we're, we're going to try to include them as part of our local employers. And then when we do physical job fairs, they would be invited down. So there's kind of a set of criteria or a program that we're establishing, and we're going to pilot it with five companies in Fargo, along with just extra support of the regional providers as well. So that's one thing. The second thing is creating a regional marketplace, online marketplace, an e-commerce site. Um, so like basically a local Etsy. So for either brick and mortar businesses that want to augment their own website or in lieu of a website, because that often happens. We, we have a lot of Main Street business owners that don't have the website. So it would give them an opportunity to sell a few things. From a community standpoint, we have Oaks Bucks, right? In my town, a lot of communities have Chamber Bucks of some sort. All of that could be sold on this website. Um, so we're really excited about that. There's a provider um, that we're looking at. Um, they build these marketplaces out of Iowa. And it's really cool. It's like, it's like a marketplace. And they handle all of the support. So, and that is the big thing, right? How do you make something like that happen in a small town where, or a region, we'd be regional, um, where every single proprietor might have a question about how to load their stuff onto the site? Like who the heck is going to have the time to troubleshoot all of that? So that would be the support of it would be built in. So that's really cool. Um, and big impact because we need to start elevating our mindset. So to increase the idea of what local means. Local can mean regional, right? And again, when you think e-commerce, local can mean global <laughs> if, if you open yourself up to it. So those are a few, few big things that we're working on. And then I know that you also run uh, a podcast, uh, Growing Small Towns. That's correct. Yep. What inspired you to get that started and like, what do you feature in that show? Yeah. So, you know, the real, real reason I started a podcast was because, um, 
I think having fresh content on your website, I mean, just from a marketing standpoint, is an important thing to do. I originally, you know, years ago started with a blog and I love to write, but I found my time getting tighter and tighter, you know, around around writing all the time. Um, and so I pursued podcasting because I love having conversations with people. And I have a, I'm naturally inquisitive. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not the most articulate person, but I hold my own. <laughs> like I do okay, right? And so it really became a way for me to showcase the kinds of people doing the kind of work that our, that our initiatives and programs could yield in in other communities. So we pretty much exclusively feature people in small towns. And um, this next season. I took a bit of a, hi of a hiatus this summer because we were physically building our building, right? And it was just all hands on deck, no room for anything kind of a situation. But we hope to create an Ask the Expert series because we've had a few really amazing, like a rural sociologist from the University of Minnesota Extension. He was fantastic. Well, I would brand, I would brand him as an Ask the Expert kind of a session, right? We're going to do some segmenting of the guests going forward, but overall, we're having just organic conversations about people living big in their small town and what that looks like for them. Or, like I said, featuring experts that could give all of us ideas about things we could implement or try. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll definitely be sure to link to that for people listening. They want to check it out further. So I know that you are a super busy person because you also do um, kind of leadership development for women in small towns, um, or you can probably describe it better, but tell me a little bit more about that and what what drove you to be passionate about empowering um, women in your community too. Right. So that work, I would say, definitely felt like it's been on hold, um, especially the last year with COVID, all of the public events pretty much got shut down. But there's a few reasons why I like to focus on on the on women centric audiences in rural communities, and it's it's partly because, um, unfortunately, I do believe there's still a somewhat of a disparity baked into the leadership and um, the who has the power and who has the authority in a small town. Now, I'm not going to get soapboxy about this because I really do think that as women, we need to start acting as if we deserve the seat at the table. I really do. I, I think that a part of it is just saying we, we're, we're standing around kind of waiting for someone to give us permission in some cases. And this goes for anybody. And I instead want to say, well, what can you do right now You know that you don't need permission for? And are you sure you need permission? Or is that just what you've been told? Right. So I think there's somewhat of that disparity. But then also, um, man, in my community, women, women really get stuff done. I just, I, I find that women are, um, often we step up, we jump in and I'm not saying more than men in any way, but I am saying that that's, uh, that is something to leverage. That's an energy to leverage and women, the discernment to know what to say yes to. So you can beautifully serve versus just saying yes, because you've been guilted into everything. That is a conversation that just continues to need do we need to keep having it? Um, so those are a couple of the reasons I love I love talking to women. And I, you know, being an ambitious woman in my community, we have three children now. Um, I'm also a farming spouse, and the the demands of all of those things can get really overwhelming. And so, if nothing else, I think bringing women together and creating that connection is an important thing to do when we can. 
Yeah, fantastic. So um, let's zoom out a little bit and talk like big picture. Why should people stay in their hometowns? Like what do we lose when we leave and what's gained when we stay? Um, you're someone who decided to come back to your hometown. And I know that that is a very common narrative for, for a lot of people listening, um, whether it's it's a bigger town or a smaller town. What's so important about that, about staying or coming back? I don't know that kind of the mainstream, especially in the personal development world, um, I don't know that we give enough credit to the people that do choose to stay. We're really quick to say, like, if it doesn't serve you or it's not good for you, walk away, leave it. And and I'm going to not argue, um, but I'm going to suggest maybe that there is real um, character refinement <laughs> that happens when we find, we dig down and we find the grit to stay. And this is anything, okay? So not just our hometowns, but I think that's one thing. Like we we often just assume that everything we ever want exists somewhere else. And for a lot of people, that's actually true. Um, but I think we now live in this time where there is almost nothing conceivably that you couldn't do from a career standpoint anyway, in a small community, unless of course it's like, you know, CEO of a fortune 100 company. I mean, I get it, right. There's certain, certain size jobs in, in companies that don't exist in small towns. But for me, I, what I get to keep or gain is that connection to my family. Um, I grew up in Oaks with three sets of grandparents. <laughs> so I say three, my maternal grandparents, my paternal grandparents, and then a bonus set of grandparents. They were just this older couple that lived down the road and they watched my brother and I when we were little, like in the summers, and we called them grandpa and grandma and they let us, <laughs> you know, they adopted us as their own. And so I think that there is something truly and, and you don't see it when you're in it. I mean, I was a kid. I didn't understand it. But now as an adult with my own children, I love that my parents are my next door neighbors, which seriously, if you had told me that that was going to happen when I was 18, I would have laughed you out of the room. You know, like I, I'm not going to live next to my parents, you know, but it's it's getting to see your the uh, the impact of kids being truly loved by so many people. It shapes and and changes the way a kid thinks about themselves. And it's all good as far as I'm concerned, you know, in terms of the love. Now, granted, um, you're in a bit of a Petri dish. That can be a little challenging at times, but that's just the yin to the yang of being exceptionally loved and connected. So that's one of the things I think we miss is that connection to our roots and our connection to our family. Um, another thing we miss, I think, are incredible opportunities to build on whatever beautiful traditions and things we loved as children, right? So we often have this wistfulness to look back. And I can't stand it when people say our best days are behind us because I just don't believe that's true. If something's so great about what was in the past, what is it? And how do we how do we modernize it and maybe reimagine it for today, right? Like there's, there's just so many cool things I think we could be doing um, at a community level that would feel very nostalgic. So I don't know. I just think, you know, losing t a tie to your roots is a, is a sad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that narrative of like, especially among 
younger people, millennials today about, yeah, you have to leave to pursue your dreams and like the best thing, whether it's education or a job or a spouse is always going to be like, you know, grass is always greener in some, some big far away place. And that's, doesn't need to be true. What was the moment for you that made you decide to come back? Oh man. So it's going to be kind of funny um, to say this out loud, but my mom started a business on our, on our farm where I had grown up. So I grew up on a farm five miles out of town, um, lived in the country, you know, loved, loved growing up out there. And I was in banking at the time. So my husband and I both, we lived in Fargo and, you know, again, big city. I was like checking off all the boxes, but I had already kind of started to lose some like love for that career thinking like, I can't do this for the next 30 years. Like I just can't, it just didn't feel right. So I was having some kind of angst anyway, but when my mom called and said, I'm going to start a pumpkin patch on our farm. <laughs> I was like, what a pumpkin patch. So she was a florist, my dad, lifelong farmer. Um, and she and I went on this road trip to purchase items, like actually to, she was putting a retail shop up on our farm. and. So we had this big conversation and the more I thought about getting to be a part of helping her make that happen, I just, there was no way I couldn't come home for it. it and it, it was like legitimately that fast. I mean, we, we didn't overthink it. We didn't have a kid at the time, right? It was just like, okay. And it was like an adventure for us. Um, but it wasn't easy. I mean, it wasn't easy. I didn't know. It felt a bit like you know, somehow I had failed. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm honest about that because it wasn't an easy transition for me. It's taken me a long time to figure out how to, how to move through this community in a way that feels really me. And I'm, I'm there now and it's, it's amazing. And it feels more natural than, than any, anything else I've ever done, but it took, it took some time. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So to close this out here, I want to ask what advice you have for other people who live in a smaller community um, and want to take a step to, you know, stay in that place, help others be excited about being in that place and, and support that small town. So I have a few things that I would love to share with people that are in that situation. The, um, the first, the first is just um, if there is something that you see is missing. Um, don't wait around for someone else to do it, figure out how to get it done. Like figure it out. You, you, you might be the person to shepherd the idea forward. If it's something that you want, it's, it's okay to build something that you want for your community, because if you do, it's likely others do as well. The second thing is, um, kind of what we alluded to before. I, I really believe that every single person on the planet has a unique set of skills and things that they can contribute. And I think that our communities get improved vastly when we really lock in to what those things are for every single, like our, us as individuals. And then we align our yeses with those gifts. <laughs> So, so you don't have a bunch of people that have begrudgingly said yes, because they always say yes, but they're saying yes to the things that they know that they can serve really well in. I encourage people to um, so take some time and think about everything that's on your plate and where are you feeling dread and where are you feeling like true unhappiness and recognize that if you let go of some of those things, 
other people get freed up to serve in those ways that you don't serve well, right? That's, that's what community can really look like if we're honest about those things. And then the last thing is just quit asking or expecting that you have to have permission. You probably can do something. Find a few people. Uh, that idea of, you know, a small coalition of people moving and shaking and getting things done, that's how stuff gets done. So find, find a few supporters, uh, advocates for what it is you're trying to do and start. Start somewhere. You're going to figure so much out if you start versus if you just keep talking about one day starting. Yeah, very wise words. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being on this show. Um, I will make sure to share links to your website and your podcast and everything for listeners, but really appreciate you sharing your insights and your story with us today. Thank you, Rachel. It was, it was awesome to be here. Definitely make sure to check out Rebecca's website and podcast. I think she's got a lot of great resources and cool stories to share. I need to let you guys know that I'm actually going to be taking a few weeks off from the podcast, so you won't see new episodes for a few weeks yet. Um, I'm doing some travel, and then we, as we mentioned in the last episode, are, are hiring for several new positions, and if you've read about our hiring process, Chuck just posted an article about that a few weeks ago, it is very in-depth, and so um, as the person leading most of the process. I just, I need some time to focus on that. So no podcast for a couple weeks, unfortunately, but I will be um, back here in November with some new episodes. And in the meantime, um, keep those guest suggestions coming. This guest today, Rebecca, uh, was suggested by one of our listeners. So thanks to the person who suggested that. And um, please send more suggestions my way. My email is rachel at strongtowns.org. Thanks to our Strong Towns members for supporting this show, our other shows, our articles, all of our projects. You guys rock. Um, You're making all this happen. We really appreciate every single dollar that comes through membership support, and it makes up a large percentage of our entire budget. So if you want to join the awesome folks that are supporting Strong Towns and making all this work possible, please visit strongtowns.org slash membership. Thanks, everybody. I will see you back here in November for the next episode. Take care.